0: You're listening to the Saturday Morning D&D Show with Jordan, the PH is silent, and Sir Lucian. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Saturday Morning D&D Show. My name is Jordan. Uh, Lucian is is making some sandpaper with his hands there, Uh, and that threw me off. So, uh, Lucian, Mm -hmm. you're my co-host. How's it going?
1: (laughs) Good. It's my Mr. Miyagi. Oh, yes.
0: Daniel-san! Daniel's son. Oh, you I know that's it. a great movie. Like, I love it. Uh, I haven't seen that in a while. I should rewatch it. You should um,
1: check out the Netflix show because they brought it back and it's good. Yeah,
0: is it Netflix or is it YouTube?
1: Uh, it was on YouTube for the first season. Yeah, and it was so good. Netflix bought it, gave okay. them a second and a third season. So either the third season's coming out soon or the fourth season, and it's good. Really. I uh, love it. Okay. I, I I don't know. I'll have to I check it out. It. My, I had a, the reason I did it even, because I had a dream last night that I was in the fourth season. Like, I was oh. part of it somehow. And I was like, yes, we're beating bullies up. You know, that's like the <laughs> whole premise of the show.
0: Fantastic. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a lot to talk about. We um, do. Because... Uh, and and I guess I, Jordan needs to issue an apology to the fans of Saturday Morning D and D, where he always said mm-hmm. they'll never do Spelljammer, they'll never, never do ever, not in a hundred million years. They'll never do. Um, we are apparently uh, well. We got a an unearthed Arcana that had a lot of Spelljammer esque races, uh, which is kind of interesting, and nothing specifically spacefaring. Like there weren't rules for this. This was just races, but the addition of the gif and the thryre and things like that. Uh, but most importantly, we have to ask, what is your background solution as people in chat are dying to know? Oh, my background. Oh, this is a <laughs> homage. I was
1: like, was there a background in the Are UA article?" I was like, going back to look at it. Um, this is my desktop. And it is No Man's Sky, because you can see the little uh, triangle over my head, which is the uh, starships the ship and going the up space in the stations yeah. and the ship going up in the sky. And it was a, a creative rendition for No Man's Sky artwork. And I thought it was awesome for, for Spelljammer Confirmed. We could play a whole campaign that's basically like No Man's Sky now. We can go to millions and millions of planets yeah. and travel the universe and galaxies and multiverses and do it all yeah
0: and that game that game got a lot better as it went on uh yeah i'm playing it
1: right now they've got a new expedition out and it's like uh it gives you like the game is about you can do whatever you want so you make up your own goals Mm -hmm. and typical stuff but then they do an expedition during the seasons that say hey if you want to you want set goals that you want to go to. Here's these things we'll do, and we'll set it up. So then you can be like, oh, okay, I'll do the expedition. They want me to go collect 10 of these, and they want me to go So it's build like a, a mission thing, for the month or something. Yeah, it gives something. you stuff to yeah. do. Yeah. That's so cool. I'm liking it. I'm enjoying it. I love to get back into it. Um, it's still a beautiful game to me. I've loved it from beginning to end. I've never been somebody who didn't like the I liked it the day it released. And I've loved it till today. Yeah, and it's you don't always have to lie to
0: make friends. We're, we're all here. Hey, so I love,
1: okay. nobody liked it. Everybody hated it. I was yeah, the only one saying. That's why I'm saying. You I was the only, the only one lie. saying it was good. <laughs> and I was saying Spelljammer confirmed, but everybody was poo-pooing me, Jordan. Everybody.
0: <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So we have this Unearthed Arcana. Um, yes. And I'm going to bring it up here. And uh, it's playtest material. That's what Unearthed Arcana. But it says Travelers of the Multiverse.
1: A word we've heard a lot. Multiverse
0: has been yes. used a ton in the last month. Uh in the last yeah, the last month or two. Uh and all it is is uh what, one, two, three, four, five, six different races. Yeah. Um the astral elf, which is uh elves that branch okay. it's always Space about elves off. that branch off. Like the Eladrin yeah. were the elves that branched off. <laughs> the uh, but elves that left uh the Feywild and lived in the astral plane. And you don't age in the astral plane. So these elves are like thousands upon thousands of years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, because of that, the astral plane has like permeated their body and given them special astral elf powers. Uh, But seems like a really good um, Vulcan Vulcan kind of race, (laughs) I I think. Uh, We'll see um, for Spelljammer. The auto gnome, which is a mechanical gnome gifted with free will. So this um, is our R2-D2. And it's a construct. uh, So... It has that, it's not a humanoid, it's not uh, a fey creature, it's a construct. So certain things like, Cure Wounds won't work on this, which is interesting. Mm. Um, And gnomes play a big part in Spelljammer. There's lots of tinkering gnomes, they're always building things, they have their own ships and stuff like that. So that kind of fits. Um, Because I don't think they would need to remake the rock gnome, like... From the, from the thing, they just tweak it a little bit so you're not like in forests and stuff, but you're, you know. Yeah, yeah, and, so
1: you still have rock gnomes out there, but they also have an auto gnome, which I guess you can play the auto gnome, but it also kind of implies that a rock gnome can create these as companions or whatever. So yeah. you might even have a ship of rock gnomes that have part of the crew as auto gnomes that help
0: them out or something. No, exactly, and this also made me think of the... Uh, so I've been reading a lot of uh, old school essentials and BXD and D lately, mm-hmm. and they have um, the recruitments that you get and you can right. like go and, and get hirelings and have them work for you and things like that. And I, I feel like if I was a gnome and I, I could get, pick up this auto gnome companion that runs around with me kind of a thing. Uh, and then how funny is it when your main character dies and then your auto gnome has to like pick up the sword and carry on your ideas mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, The GIF, which are the hippo-headed... Quintessential. uh, Yeah, very spelljammer, 100%. And the GIF are in the... They're in the monster manual, and they're one of them, like Volos or something, as a monster. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they've been hinted at here and there. like Hippo-like,
1: if you don't know. Yeah,
0: they're very muscular and tall. They're anthropomorphic hippos, basically. Um, And they're very military like their <laughs> yeah. the strategy and uh yeah. i like always liked that about it the one in the yeah. fifth for fifth edition has uh, a bunch of uh, military medals and stuff yeah. and a big it's old like napoleonic
1: gun. um almost like yeah. uniforms they wear yeah. they're like they're big in a uniform so i love it
0: the Hadouzi, which is another spelljammer race straight up uh i was wondering
1: how you're going to produce pronounce that i
0: Hiduzzi. pronounce it hadoozie but i don't know like, it's, yeah. it's a Hadoozzi of a word. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> it is tough. Uh, but the Hadouzi are, uh, like, g- gorilla or ape-like creatures. They but said
1: simian. Yeah, they have, they
0: have wings, uh, but they're not real wings. They're, like, I don't know, like little membranes. Kind of like uh, flying squirrels. Uh, and they fly around. And actually, if you go to my main channel, I made a couple of videos well, on races from earlier editions. And I wonder if we'll see them in fifth edition. And Mm -hmm. uh, the Hadoozzi was one of them that we talked about.
1: I mean, flying monkeys from the Wizard of Oz. How can you go wrong
0: with that? Well, you know, there you go. (laughs) Uh, The one I'm most excited for is the Plasmoid, which is an amoeba-like being. And I don't think that's in Spelljammer. Uh, But we'll talk about it is in Star Frontiers, which is something I want to talk Uh. about. And, and we
1: wanted it in Jordan's campaign as mm-hmm. a personal request from Lucian.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and then the Thrycreen, which are a six-limbed right. telepathic insectoid that I always think of as from Dark Sun. Uh-huh. But Thrycreen are very prevalent in uh, before they got well. there. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. Because yeah. I mean, it just makes sense. like so. Yeah, that... they're kind of like oh, praying mantises. Yeah. I think they have, uh, if I'm... Mm, they definitely have four arms. I don't think they have four legs. Maybe they do, depending on the art. I don't remember. But uh, yeah. yeah, they're an insectoid no telepathic in race. the UA article. So, but yeah, uh, and they—they're just—they're—they're they're your cool bug race. Mm-hmm. Uh, Telepathy. Yeah. So something interesting with this is we're getting away from ability scores. So they're just like you can take whatever you want. You know, 2-1, two, um, two,
1: right? You put yeah. two in one and one in another.
0: Two in one, one in another, or one in three. Uh, And things like that. Uh, But they are expanding the rules of creature type. So some of these are... uh, Well, like... And we've done this before where we had the satyr was a fey. The centaur was a fey. But now uh, the plasmoid is an ooze. The autognome is a construct. And... tricrine's a monstrosity. Is it the Thricreen is a monstrosity?
1: Thricreen
0: is a monstrosity. So... I mean, very interesting. Certain spells only work on humanoids. Uh, and so to have that, I don't know. thats It's cool. I think it's cool. And I think it's a good uh, direction for D&D to go because even Gary Gygax was saying, like, no, uh, you want to play a dragon? Play a dragon. Here's the monster stat block. Like, he was yeah. very, like, "We we made this. There might not be a system for leveling up as a dragon or something, but if your friend wants to jump in and play a dragon, like, there you go. Yeah. And so... I kind of like that. thought it would be fun. I do like the idea of a plasmoid wild shaped druid who you literally just shape your body into whatever new monster you're playing, you know, not magically, but like, yeah. and so you still look slimy. You've just taken on like a bear shape. I thought that was
1: kind of I've always weird. thought that that whole idea of just being like a sentient um, gelatinous cube yeah. that decides like the whole storyline would be you meet a, a party And you spare them like you come across them on a camping and you just like, whatever happens, you guys have that discussion of, you know, I don't really want to kill you adventures and somehow I can communicate Mm -hmm. and I become friends with those adventures and I leave and go on ventures with them as such a latinist cube. I just thought that'd be such a cool character to play or, or an ooze that could fit in armor or an ooze that could fit in clothes and tried to fit in using its body like that. You know, I just thought that was such a fun idea. Um, yeah now we can do it we have the rules right here
0: and maybe maybe someone in chat can remind me but i i want to say that there was a specific elf race it was like a it was a stray off maybe they were like star elves or something i can't remember but it feels like that's what the astral elf is supposed to be oh i gotcha is this like ancient art uh uh Elf race that was lost, or something.
1: Because the um, only other thing we wouldn't have had, or we've already got it before this, that you would have that would definitely have shown up in this had it not shown up so far is the githyanki Yankee and you know the uh mind flares. Because in Spelljammer, that was the big war that's going on, yeah. Out in the Spelljammer universe, is you know they're out there hunting down mind flares everywhere they can mm-hmm. find them, and you know. And they have their quintessential ships that they're using and they're fighting each other, you know? And that's just, but we already got it, right? And I thought, I think I was with you until I saw the Baldur's Gate intro movie.
0: Oh, the Baldur's Gate. That movie. actually yeah.
1: had the ship. And that was the moment I said, they're doing it. There, It's no longer well, just a joke. And, they're uh, doing
0: it. People have been talking about it. And I, I didn't really think about this because I'm like, well, it's a funny joke, like whatever. but. Yeah. It's getting to the point where it's like fans are clamoring for it so much uh because it's been a joke that I'm like yeah. you have to do it now. Like it's yeah. one of those things where I'm like you guys can't just like, you know, perpetuate this funny joke and be like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, we all know spelljammer confirmed. Anyway, here's Dragonlance." So, yeah. uh it kind of makes sense that they're not going to, you know, make people angry and mm the hype behind this is just getting Twitter crazy. blew up. Like people Twitter are like, Twitter
1: blew up.
0: <laughs> so yeah, Twitter, Twitter totally blew up.
1: Yeah. The, um, it's funny.
0: It's really f- funny.
1: Maybe that's because I just look at D and D Twitter people, but I don't know. My, mine was just scroll after scroll of, you know, spelljammer confirmed pictures of spell jammer. Everybody was kind of psyched about the whole UA article coming out and the name of it, travelers of the multiverse. And, you know, um, uh, nerd immersion has been doing video after video after video on it. So, you know, it's pretty big if, if he's doing two or three or four videos. So
0: So it, anyway, really cool. I'm excited for this. Uh, obviously I really like Spelljammer. Um, I think we should do a campaign. People were, yeah, well, if it comes out, I think I have to, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, now some of the speculation is that they're going to try and combine, uh, Planescape and Spelljammer and that maybe this is something I don't want to say new, but just like the overarching theory of the universe and everything, like how it all mm-hmm. works together. Because they were very different. Spelljammer had its crystal spheres yeah. and you flew through Phlogiston and stuff and Planescape was like, you know, we didn't really explain the prime material planes so much as the extra planar areas and how they all fit together. Uh, but they're very keen on multiverse and it made me think of Chris Perkins a while ago uh, explained that they handle their Wizards of the Coast intellectual properties, uh, like characters like Drist and things like that, like Marvel does with theirs. Yeah. And Marvel's been on a big multiverse kick where it's like, well, we can really tell any story with any actor now, you know, like yeah. uh, The Rock could play Iron Man and it, and people yeah. would love it because it's an alternate world where yeah. you know, Dwayne Johnson is finale. Iron Man, and it's yeah, like yeah. hilarious. So people will be like, that's awesome. Uh, and I wonder if they're going to do a similar thing with this, where it's like, no, every everybody's campaign world, every everything is all part of some big multiverse, and Spelljammer is going to be the way of going back and forth. Uh, Spelljammers are piloted by magic, but you have to funnel that magic through something called a helm, and the helm is basically a large chair that you sit in, uh, spoilers for your game, but there is a helm in Dungeon of the Mad Mage. Or oh, didn't it? You can attune to it and you can actually use it. So uh, yeah. they've been hinting at this. And then there was a crashed <laughs> Nautiloid ship in Icewind Dale. Yeah. Uh, so this, this now, with this UA out, going back, it feels like this is very set up. Uh, in retrospect, looking back, you're like, okay, <laughs> yeah, they've been dangling this carrot for a while. So.
1: I'm and Disney just just to go back to your your Marvel example there, I've, which I fully jump on board. Um, on Disney, they've been doing the "What If" mm-hmm. um, animated show with all the Marvel characters, where you know Peggy Carter becomes you know Captain Captain America or you know Captain Carter, and um, what if she got the serum to become the super? yes yeah, instead of Star Lord, you get um, uh, T'Challa becomes gets taken up into space and he becomes one of the guardians of the galaxy. You get party Thor. What happens if, if Thor never grows up and learns responsibility? You know, like they have, they've been doing all these shows. And what happens if Dr. Strange reaches too far for too much power, they show that kind of arc. And then they just had their finale, which was the, the watcher brought them back, brought individual people into it to save the multiverse. Cause Ultron, you know, eventually got the stones and was destroying all universes that he could find. He was going out and taking out life in all multiverses and he needed to be stopped. So that was like a perfect, you know, that allows you such creative freedom to then redo anything down the road. And it allows your fans, what I think is really cool is to say that your campaign world can fit in a multiverse. And Spelljammer, they can even just say in this universe over here, Spelljammer exists. But in this universe, this multiverse over here is where Planescape is. And this multiverse over here is no space at all. And it's just forgotten realms or it's, or it's uh, um, you know, uh, core earth stuff or it's, you know, just whatever it wants to be. And your campaigns can fit, your worlds can fit, Eberron can fit, everything can fit because it's a multiverse and they don't have to necessarily connect to each other, but some maybe can't. Mm-hmm. And then you get all your Magic the Gathering worlds in there. You get anything else. Maybe they want to go to a whole nother. If they do a new IP, but it's still Wizards of the Coast. I mean, because you have Magic the Gathering. You have all the Dungeons and Dragons campaigns. They could create a new one that's that's none of those, right? A whole new universe of things. And it's just a third IP that they throw out there that becomes super popular and whatever. You know, it becomes, you know, Transformers or, you know, mm-hmm. they come up with Voltron or something just crazy. And it'd be cool. I think that's great. I and mean, creatively, I think it releases their artists to really go wild. You know, mm-hmm. they're not pigeonholed into stuff.
0: Um, And, yeah, that's, that's super interesting. I actually want to touch more on... Uh, the the idea of new stuff that they're creating so hold on to that yeah. uh, because but I do want to point out before we transition away from yeah. uh spelljammer is that in 1982 uh TSR came out with a a game a science fiction role playing game mm-hmm. using the mechanics of D&D called Star Frontiers uh and I want to think uh, Zriss in chat was like hey are you going to talk about AJ Pickett's theory on Star Frontiers and I'm like I'm not aware of this but let's go look uh but it has a lot of um I, less fantasy, obviously. It's not spelljammer in the same sense. Uh, but I want to talk about these races that you can play. Mm-hmm. The Dara uh sorry. Darlacytes are short gray amoeba-like creatures that are multicellular amoebas that can change their body, blah blah blah, create pseudopods. Um the vrusk are an insectoid insectoid race. Uh, mm-hmm. with, they kind of look like ants with mandibles. Uh The Yazirin are anthrop- anthropoid well, sorry, anthropods similar to uh, terrestrial apes. Hmm.
1: So a lot of three this is three. like, okay. Uh, <laughs> and there are
0: some others here that didn't really fit the mold, but I thought that was interesting is maybe they're, I mean, Wizards of the Coast o- own Star Frontiers. What they're doing with it, they're like probably tapping it for resources. And stuff. yeah.
1: Yeah, because I think what ended up happening back in those 80s is D&D comes out and you realize you can play a role-playing game Mm -hmm. that isn't a war game anymore. It's not about units moving around. It's not about armies clashing or redoing history so much or even a space battle, if you were into that. It was about, oh, I can play this specific smuggler or I can play this specific starfighter or I can play this guy who walks around that has this cool light sword and can move things with his mind right so you're right in that area where i could play a jedi at that point you're Mm. like so i think a lot of the companies see dungeons and dragons works you can play as a knight you can play as a wizard you can play as an elf you can play as a dwarf but there are so many people that aren't necessarily fantasy fans but still can take that same thing and say well i'm a fan of this thing i'm a I'm a star Trek fan. I'm a, I'm a star Wars fan. I want to take what you guys are doing, but I want to do it with star Wars or star Trek or whatever. So these companies started putting out, you know, science fiction based RPGs quickly and then future RPGs. And then, you know, Armageddon RPGs, what happens after world war three RPGs and what happens when everything gets smashed together? Oh, we'll call that riffs, you know, And we'll, what happens if you go back in time, you know, there, there's, you know, RPGs for that and stuff. So I think it explodes from there. And it just makes sense that TSR has to have theirs. We need Star Frontiers. We can't let somebody own that space. Like Wizards of the Coast has let kind of the only one that's out there, Starfinder from Paizo, own that space. Like they're the quintessential role-playing game company right now. And they don't really have a sci-fi version.
0: Oh, Unless you it, count
1: Eberron. Yeah.
0: Yeah. They no, just Wizards let that space have... go. Wizards doesn't have a, like a true sci-fi, but I, yeah. I would disagree with or you. There sci-fi. are lots of sci-fi RPGs out there. So. Yes, <laughs>
1: there's a there's a ton, but Wizards of the Coast, the big gorilla or the big fish in the pond or you know whatever mm-hmm. analogy you want to use, they could have owned that space just like they own the fantasy space. They are mm-hmm. the number one top dog in the fantasy space. They could have also been the number one top dog in the sci-fi space if they wanted to, but they just let it go. They just didn't want to do it. So that allowed these other companies. And I love that because Modifius can do it and, you know, um, Free League can do it and all these other good companies can come in and say, well, we'll give you Star Trek Adventures or we'll give you Aliens or we'll give you, you know, um, Starfinder. We'll give you, you know, Grimmer Space or we'll give you all these other different ones. So I think that's cool. But now they're coming. I think with this book, maybe they're making a step into it. Do you think they will go the route or as hard in to this portion of their game? Like Pathfinder has Pathfinder and Starfinder now, and they are big pillars for their company. It's not just one book add-on, right? And then they went all back to Pathfinder. Starfinder is a big size, multiple, 32 books, it's moving to second edition, adventure pass galore. You know, it's a fully fledged, fully, um, supported product, not just a one-off book. Do you think Wizards will do that? Uh, no, I
0: don't. I don't think their team yes, I don't think is they will big enough to support, uh, like an adventure path for two. Like main, main big books. You know, the Icewind Dale's, the Out of the yeah, yeah, You're putting
1: like four new books out of a, a, a year, four to six. Would they do that with you know like spelljammer
0: No, I or, think I think yeah. this would be like uh, Eberron, uh, mm-hmm. you know. And so it's like here's your Eberron book. Here's how to do Eberron adventures. Now community, go make us DMs Guild Eberron adventures uh, or play something else. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I I think it'll be like that in all honesty, unless it just gets really popular and then they're like, okay. I think they're missing the boat. Um, but they're very they're very set on those like four to five books a year. And I don't, I don't. But the now my brain's going a mile a minute. I was like, but the uh, the Forgotten Realms train is uh, coming to a close. I think uh, we're gonna get we're gonna get a, a finalization of that storyline that they've mm-hmm. kind of been inter, intertwining all these different stories Sorry, on the Sword yeah, Coast, yeah. and then maybe new books will be more like uh, Van Richten's Guide, where it's like here's a little summary of different places in the realms, or here's this, or, and then they'll do a similar thing for Spelljammer or what have you. I'm curious though, if this is going to be like a new campaign setting, which means that I need to buy like a, sorry, is this going to be something that I have to buy a Spelljammer uh, player's handbook for? And a Spelljammer Dungeon Master's Guide that's got rules that, that help me play Space Adventures? Uh, much like the box set where it's really you just needed the box set to play mm-hmm. or do I need the player's handbook? Do I need the monster manual? Yeah. So I is it going to be them, separate or is it going to be yeah. all all encompassing play how you yeah. want? So
1: I think I think Paizo has the better idea but I think Wizards of the C- Coast could do it better than Paizo does it like their books are easier to read and use than Pathfinder's books are they're a little bit harder to get into. You have to really dig in to figure out how you're making your character. And there's a lot of rules in there. You got to find them. But I think it's a better idea to have multiple product lines that you can almost double your output. You could have two teams dedicated to it and just really putting out books for this ravenous community you have. They will buy $50 books month after month after month. For these but things.
0: that was the problem they did with fourth edition. So, like, you're basically yeah. saying you need to repeat the fourth edition model. And I, I don't think they want to do that at all.
1: So. Well, no, it still can be all based on fifth edition. It still can be based on. It
0: was all based on fourth edition when they were pumping out book after book after book. But the yeah. the amount of books they put out and the faster they put out books, the more problems they had. And I, I will think... say that these books, even though they've been doing it a lot slower, still have problems.
1: I disagree, so, Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. It's a fight. <laughs> no, this is what I think is I think they put out too many books when their community was too small and too condensed. It's, I don't know, 10 times bigger than it's ever been. And I think you can put out more books now because your community is much larger. So that capacity to put out books that because a wild light is going to appeal to some of your community, but not all of your community and a Strixhaven is gonna appeal to a a certain part of your community. The problem before is their pool of community people was so small and they were putting out so many books, it was just like they were just trying to get money from the same small group. Now it's millions and millions of fans that wanna play different types of adventures. So you can put out a lot more books now I think and not have that problem. But you're always gonna get rule creep. I mean, I don't know how many books we're at right now and people might, that's why I always thought Sixth edition might be coming because we're hitting book creep right now, right? We're getting book after book after book. The system hasn't really changed in nine years for the most part. So, um, I don't know. I think it's because of popularity, is why I think they should do more. But Paizo's doing it, and they're not their popularity is not going down. And nobody's I haven't heard complaining that wow, Paizo, just keep putting out more books, you're ruining your games.
0: I. Uh, no, I haven't heard that either. But uh, I've heard it's they're more they're more also popular. not making the kind of money that like, probably not. I I would be. I want to see Paizo's... Okay, this is <laughs> this is the this is what I want. Is Wizards of the Coast and D anD D is very popular. Mm-hmm. So can we say the rising tide is raising all of the boats? Like, is I Paizo so. getting raised by D anD D? Is Modiphius getting raised up? I think so. And I disagree. I think people are buying Wizards of the Coast, and I think, like, they're doing really well, and I think everyone else is like, well, RPGs are popular, but, like, they really just... I don't think everyone's getting lifted up by Wizards of the Coast. I think Wizards of the Coast is. And so I would be curious if if Hasbro, if Wizards (laughs) of the Coast has doubled their revenue every year for the past, like, four years now because of 5th edition... Uh, mm-hmm. can you go to Paizo and see that Paizo's revenue has doubled every year? And I don't think it has, which then no, I means don't
1: think everybody's it. been as successful as they have been, but I think they have gained benefits from them being so much popular because they brought the whole community up at the same time. It brought in more people willing to look at other books and other stuff. And I'll, I'm for sure you don't get invisible sun. If RPGs are not at its Renaissance level of, communities out there. You don't get a box set that's a couple of hundred dollars that people are willing to pay in a Kickstarter that goes through the roof unless the hobby itself has gotten really popular. It can't be a small niche group and you get crazy stuff like that.
0: It's about getting though Beatles and Grimms. Invisible Sun was made for a small niche group. And like it was, but that, it, wouldn't so. even, it wouldn't have even six it wouldn't even succeed yeah. had it not been
1: Because they didn't succeed necessarily off of Numenera's success.
0: Yeah, they built a company off of Numenera's success.
1: Right. But (laughs) I think the whole
0: hobby itself has become even more popular, which made it possible. Okay. I I don't know. I think all of these companies, and Monty Cook's a good example, where they're making Mm -hmm. more 5th edition material now and I noticed that a lot of the Paizo stuff comes out for this is compatible with Pathfinder and 5e, is mm-hmm. they're not selling their cool adventures and stuff to... Well, they realize that if they just put a 5e stamp on it, they'll make more money. So that, do, that to me, doesn't mean that people are flocking to Paizo or people are I flocking see, yeah. to Bonnie Cook. They're flocking to 5e material, which, again, is because Wizards has that monopoly almost, so. Right, but
1: I think that's a marketing thing where if you say, if, you, if, all your, if, if we notice pink covered books sell twice as good as any other book, everybody starts putting out pink co- covered books.
0: That was like uh, apes on comic books back in the day or something. Yeah. Like the pulp yeah, comics. Whatever they're like monkeys selling, yeah. but sell comics. So now
1: it. you put 5e on something right now, currently today, yeah. and it sells like hotcakes.
0: And I, yeah. Sure. And I think that's,
1: so that's. I think a marketing yeah. person will do that no matter what, no matter how their company's doing, whether they're doing well or not. I think Modiphius is doing great. Look at all the, the lines. You can't be doing really well and get those IPs to be able to purchase Conan, be able to purchase Star Trek, to be able to purchase Aliens. To be able to purchase those IPs, you've got to be doing pretty well. Yeah. So I think they are doing well. Now, are they doing Wizards of the Coast well? Probably not. But who is at this point? Who's who's getting there? Maybe Pathfinders getting there. Who knows? Like, how would we know? Well, yeah, I guess I don't know if it's a publicly traded traded company, so
0: I don't know. But
1: hey, hey, everybody out there, find out if they're publicly traded. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I, yeah, I, I
0: guess I, I mean, I get it. I will look at numbers, and I want to. I want to talk numbers. I think that's cool. But I have a feeling that those companies, if they were really doing like amazing because everybody loved RPGs, then they would be selling the alien RPG Hand Over Fist. They would be selling Mm -hmm. uh, Pathfinder Hand Over Fist. Uh, But instead of selling those things Hand Over Fist and cultivating their own group, they're making 5e stuff now because that's what's selling is 5e. It's not... Like, I don't think people are just like, I'm going to rush out and grab the new Paizo thing. They're like, oh, this looks like a cool adventure for that game that I'm already playing. And they buy it. What about what about Avatar? That is true. And that is a little different. It is not 5e. Uh, because that has a, a different fan base behind it. But you're right. Yeah. But
1: it is huge, huge. Like, different
0: fan base, but not... It's still all... No, role-play. I think the fan base of, like, I want an RPG... But I also like Avatar. They were the ones that were really excited for it, and they—you they, have them as Avatar RPG. That's what—that's yeah. all they wanted. Uh, Wizards of the Coast was never going to make that, so they got excited this way. Uh, yeah. But yeah, if if uh, Modiphius had that, and they were—I mean—they would be doing just as popular, I think. So uh, I don't—I—I I agree. Yeah, that was that was a huge the the highest grossing. RPG Over any 5e product. So.
1: Beat Crit Roll. Critical roll. No, it didn't. Yeah, I thought they did I thought they did more than Critical Roll. No. Yeah. I'm looking it up. Then their book? Yeah, no, I'm not talking about their animated show. Oh, their animated show, yeah. That
0: that I'm didn't. talking about their book. What book did they make? The did they do the first one? Was that Kickstarted? Teldori? I thought so. Well, if it was, that was like early, early Kickstarter numbers. So I feel like it was. Maybe... I think it was no, published it was... by Green Ronin or something.
1: Oh uh, yeah, maybe I'm thinking of a different one then. I don't know. Look at the numbers. Let's go find uh, the numbers.
0: <laughs> sorry everybody. I'm sorry that your parents are fighting you live have, on you TV. You got to have here. a good fight. <laughs> yeah, You've
1: got to have a disagreement.
0: <laughs> um Star Frontiers, dah, 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 moving forward. Uh you were talking about creating a new IP and creating yes, new stuff and adding more to that multiverse. Yeah. Uh, a little book came out on uh, the DM's Guild by Wizards of the Coast called Minx and Boo's Journal of Villainy. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was a uh, a book or a PDF, but you can get a print on demand. Um, and it's specifically tied to Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, maybe 3. I haven't really played 3. three's not done all the way either. Well, in um, the comics, right? Huh? In the comics, yeah, the comics, the characters, and all yeah. the stuff. So the world that uh, James Olin, who is the the lead designer behind a lot of those Baldur's Gate games, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Neverwinter Nights, and things like that, he uh, is very tied to the realms, and he wanted to create like here are the characters that I've been playing with, and so he built uh, a PDF, and it's sanctioned by Wizards of the Coast. Like it says, like hey, we we published this. All the proceeds go to Extra Life, which is really cool. Uh, It's pretty professionally done, and although it was made in, like, May 2021, according to, like, the dates of the PDF, but uh, they released it, you know, last Wednesday. Uh, If you're interested, I did a review on it. I really like it, but it has a lot of mechanics on how to play a game in uh, the Forgotten Realms that's not a published adventure. So, like, How do you get the big, bad, evil guy? Well, we're going to pick Mephistopheles, and he's going to control this. And you can kind of puzzle piece this pyramid for your players to, like, climb up and and figure out, like, Mm -hmm. oh, this clue leads here. Uh, It's really cool. And it's got some information on certain cities that we haven't really – well, basically, like, Athcatla and uh, and another one uh, that has a lot of information about the city that you can play in. Uh, Where I'm going with this is I wanted to talk about James Olin, who – was working for Bioware as these video game designer and he was doing all this stuff and he left to create arch type entertainment uh, Mm. under wizards of the coast to develop new intellectual property. And then he writes this and comes out with this. And it makes me wonder if like this was, Hey James uh, you've never written a supplement for D and D before, but could you try and use something Mm. you already know? Like, uh oh! I don't know. Baldur's Gate two stuff. We want you to write this, make it look all professional. We'll help you. And then now that you have that idea, we want you to do use those skills to build a new book, a new IP for D and D five e. Uh, I don't know that I I was putting that together this morning, and I was kind of like, I wonder if that's what this was if the mints and booze. Uh journal of villainy is the test run for him to get his feet wet on actually building something and then they oh, could very cool put it out there donate it to charity uh and people are happy but at the same time you're like oh and i mean he made star wars the old republic uh knights of the old <laughs> republic dragon Age origins like he did a lot of the design on these things that i love you know yeah so. that's
1: a great cool world dragon age was a cool world mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, and, and I mean, I say lead designer, there's always a group of people that are working yeah. on this, but specifically for Baldur's Gate, uh, when Bioware had it in Baldur's Gate 2 and Neverwinter Nights, uh, he worked on those as lead designer. So, Very uh, fun. it's, it's interesting. So anyway, uh, James Olin is one of the the head writers for this Minx and Booze Journal of Villainy. I really like it. Uh, I think it's awesome. I think you guys should check it out. Uh, you too, Lucian. It's got some cool yeah, stuff in there. Sounds cool. There's a there's a couple like CR twenty seven monsters and stuff in there that like could be really fun for some high level characters. <laughs> Very <laughs> so, cool. Yeah.
1: yeah. That's like that's like Bahamut level. <laughs> so
0: I don't know. Uh, thoughts on that? I guess. I mean, do you yeah. think that we know that they're building a new IP? And they probably, like you said, want to incorporate it into their multiverse of whatever. Mm-hmm. So just like they are with Magic, that's the way Maverick, it explains so. it.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I could see that, and I definitely could see them trying to use uh, DM's Guild as test test ground yeah. stuff, just like UA articles are test ground stuff um, for sure. That'd be interesting. And we know the guy's creative and Mm -hmm. um, or it's also one of those things is just to give you a good tie in to to keep your feet in the role playing tabletop space, but still be a part of the digital community that they're trying to build because we know they're trying to build a strong digital game presence. Also, yeah, they've been talking about that. They've been acquiring. They've been hiring. If you go to their site to see what jobs are open, there's a lot of digital computer game space jobs over there right now because they're building something that we don't know about. And it's not just what we're getting already with Baldur's Gate or, you know, the um, some of the other games that have the license of Dungeons and Dragons to use them mobile game or whatever. They're trying to build some real computer games out there. So I wonder if they're you know moving into those like um, the CRPG um, kind of market too, which is those big, you know, divinity, mm-hmm. original sin kind of games, Baldur's Gate You know, all those games. I'd love a Neverwinter Night game to come back out. Neverwinter Nights. I mean, that was Bioware and that game was so good. And I'd love to see a resurgence of that come back around. It was
0: sad. I like the story in Neverwinter Nights 2, but uh, Neverwinter Nights 1 is one of the, it's got to be my favorite PC game. Like it was so good.
1: Yeah. So that's, I think it'd be cool. I'm surprised we haven't had books based on those, right? Mm -hmm. More of a Baldur's Gate. We got a little bit of finally a book, that was Baldur Gates kind of centric, but they didn't start out that way. Like that story descent into Avernus was not going to start at Baldur's gate. They pigeonholed it later in the production to do that. So I think it's interesting that we have these iconic places that you will see in computer games, but they haven't really done the book versions of those very much or have, I mean, I would think you'd want to tie those things together to really bring both communities together in case you have just, Digital game players and tabletop analog players, right? Whatever you want to call.
0: And who knows? Maybe uh, mm-hmm. I mean, with the with Spelljammer on the way, and you always point out the Nautiloid in Baldur's Gate three. Like, mm-hmm. we need to point out that Baldur's Gate three is not finished. Like, it not is yet. still early, early access. access. <laughs> and so, when that game is completely done, and also, uh, I wonder if they could tie it in with like. Mm-hmm. At the end of that game, you begin your tabletop journey, you know? And so. Yeah,
1: I'm going
0: to 100% that game when it's finally released. So everybody keep an eye out for that. <laughs> do, um, for sure. Yeah, so uh, that's what I wanted to talk about that. But uh, let's let's talk about some Pathfinder stuff. You got a lot of Starfleet stuff here on our notes. What's going on?
1: Yeah, but it's just because there's some books that come out. I was looking at their site just to try to figure out what's coming out right now. So, like, their latest book that came out was Guns and Gears for Pathfinder. You can get that at, at your bookstores now. Um, what's coming up is a lot of March 2022 re- um, release dates. And I'm thinking that's because... Just like we learned from Wizards of the Coast, and one of the books that we want is not coming till January, that I think is relevant to the shipping shortage that seems to be yeah. keep hitting every major industry that we know of, especially book creation and books coming over from China. You know, um, publishers or, or producers, or, or whatever just they call the them.
0: you know, there might be because yeah. uh, uh, I know like Wizards Sh- of the Coast uses problems. American publishers. Um, but those American publishers need paper and like right. the papers on a boat in the middle of the Atlantic yeah. because they can't get it over here. Uh, yeah. So everyone's just delayed and that's just yeah. what it is. You know? Yeah. And it's every
1: industry. I mean, auto industries, gaming industry, whatever yeah. is kind of affected, but um, the book they are getting out that releases in November so next month um, is Tech Revolution for Starfinder. So it's got big mechs and lots of mech play. You've been talking I, about mech play? Yeah, playing? no. and Kaiju this... size, smaller mm. size, all kinds of size.
0: This really intrigued me because and... <laughs> I have yet to find a game that does uh, both really well. You know, right. there's always like, although the mecha hack is really good. And I think you guys should yeah. go check that out. Matt Click wrote it. Wrote it. It's a really good system. Uh, and I, I really want to run like a mecha hack like three three episode kind of a game mm-hmm. um but with starfinder you already have a really good system of I am my techno self or I'm this and now I can pilot a mech and there's a whole yeah. r- rule system to make that mech happen like I have yet to see that and Now I just need a universal century, the RPG to play my Gundam game in and I'll be happy. We'll be
1: good. (laughs) Yeah. So tech revolution is out now. You can find that at your game stores for Starfinder. The one that comes in November, I I mixed it up is galactic magic. And that was the big thing they were pushing about. We want to remind everybody that pathfinder is um, science fantasy, not science fiction. Right. And one is fantasy. One is science fiction. They have a fantasy and a sci fantasy, so they, they brought that in. And to even show that in Pathfinder, their guns and gears is out, so lots of guns and gears and turrets and cannons and all that kinds of stuff can show up in those, so that's what's out there. Now, here was something that I hadn't even thought of, and I wonder if we've stumbled upon something here. Remember when they said we have new print formats coming out for dungeons and dragons things we've never done before do you know what paizo has that i've never seen dungeons and dragons do no in a print format pocket edition sized books
0: oh yeah that's right i have the pocket uh pathfinder one game master guide so
1: smaller size smaller form factor easier to carry around i wonder if that's one of the new digital formats they're gonna try well, it wouldn't be digital. It would be. Well, I mean, they called it. They called it their new print format. Yeah, I wonder if that's one of the new products they would bring out. It might be a yeah.
0: pocket-sized version of a player's handbook. I that would be pocket-sized fun. Yeah. version of Dungeon Master's Guide. Because if you if you could if you could half the cost and get players yeah. to be like, oh, I'll pick up a twelve-dollar like pocket size PHB and then I can carry that around. Yeah. Has all the relevant stuff I need for easier to carry to my convention games,
1: easier to move around to and just have a a cool, has the latest rules because maybe how many erratas have come out now? Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff's in it. Yeah. So I wonder if that might be one of the types of print we will see. That would be cool. I would, maybe I would definitely buy
0: that. That would be awesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that's, what's coming out for Pathfinder Starfinder. I'm still excited the more I look into what Paizo's doing and the more artwork I've seen and the more adventure paths they're running, they are really getting my interest. And playing this Pathfinder Righteous has definitely been my gateway drug to say, oh, maybe I do want to try crack cocaine. Now, are you maybe are, I do <laughs> want to get into this?
0: Now, are you going to try. Uh, are you gonna read or buy Pathfinder 1 or are you gonna try Pathfinder 2?
1: No, I think I would jump into the newest. Okay. Even though there's a million books out there and I probably would eventually. Well, and a lot
0: of them are somewhat compatible. They they yeah. wanted that to be the case. But yeah. yeah. I think I would jump in just like when I I
1: took my break from Dungeons & Dragons, which was right during 3.5. I took a big break from any role-playing games, came back a few years later. I saw people were either playing 3.5 or 4 and I was thinking, boy, which one do I want to try to remember? Do I just try to go back and remember 3.5 because it has been so long? Do I try to learn 4? And then I had heard 5 had just come out, right? And I'm thinking, well, you know what? Just I'm just going to jump right where we're at. Let's go current. So I jumped into 5 and have never looked back because 5 has been my favorite edition. I love, nostalgia-wise, Advanced Dungeons and & Dragons and Dungeons and & Dragons 3.5 never got to play 4, but 5 is my favorite. I yeah. mean, I love the system of 5. I love the adventures I've played in 5. I have more stories than I've ever had before in 5. I love it a lot. No, I mean, it's, I, really
0: good. it's interesting because uh, uh, something that I don't think that we really talk about, kind of the elephant in the room, is oh. uh, there. there's nostalgia for older editions. Yeah, but 5th yeah. edition really had a lot of like quality of life improvements. And I've been rereading old school essentials and that mm. is basic D&D but like when I open up my rule cyclopedia and read the original basic D&D it's it's, it's really difficult to understand <laughs> yes. I don't really know thaco and I don't want to yeah. just put it on thaco but like the the idea of laying out the information clearly wasn't really a concept kind of a thing and for fifth edition specifically uh wizards really wanted to be like how should we organize the book to best help people read it and understand it and the old school essentials is the same thing so here we have old school essentials is the same information that's in the rules cyclopedia of basic uh expert D, &D, but Mm -hmm. old school essentials makes it so much easier to understand and it's yeah. like, how is this the same information, but it's presented so much better, you know, or yeah. or much better, I should say.
1: Yeah, there there is a, you wouldn't have known it, and I wouldn't have been able to know it until I've seen the two versions, like you've just pointed out, uh-huh. that there is a art to laying out and formatting it in certain orders yes. that makes something way easier to use and understand and accessible. That word truly means something to me, accessible when I saw those two versions side by side, because you're, the rules are there and you can do all the same things, but man, you have to go back and forth and you're flipping pages back and you're going, wait a minute, it talked about this one thing 10 pages back. Now I got to flip back over there to remember what that said. Whereas 5e is just, here's
0: this thing, here's this thing, here's this thing. And it's just you know, like you're going I, through it. I don't want to talk bad about Goodman Games because I love their product, <laughs> but uh, the DCC core book, is very confusing
1: and yeah. I'll,
0: I'll flip through it. And, and uh, I, I, I think we'll talk a little bit. I mean, we're, we're, we got 10 minutes left. This is crazy. This conversation, but it's, <laughs> it's spell jammer day. Um, yeah. but the game I played last Saturday or Sunday, uh, I had player had a question and he's like, I'm, I'm on the section about mighty deeds, but I don't understand. And I'm like, oh, you need to go to page like 200. He's like, why is it a hundred pages between oh, the, imp- <laughs> like, it's the same information. I, they should be yeah. next to each other. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> That's not good design. But, yeah. uh, but at the time you know, an author is writing and they're like, I don't know, it makes sense to me, but you have to think outside of the, yeah. like, I remember our other u- take... user interface is kind of a, yeah. a way to do it with a book. It's kind of interesting. You had to take notes to learn an old
1: RPG game. Yeah. Like you had to make your own book using the book they gave you, but reordering it in a way you understood it, that you could finally play it. That was the hurdle of getting mm-hmm. into role-playing game. And that is a little bit of where I think the the pushback on, and it shouldn't be there, but the gatekeeping happens because you get those people who are proud that they were able to understand a poorly written and formatted book, but they deciphered it. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's their badge of honor. And they want you to go through that same thing, or you're not a real gamer. You're not playing a real RPG. You're playing, you know, like, you have something different. So I think Matt Colville talked about that in a couple of his videos when he was comparing. He did a cool series. Go back and watch Matt Colville's series about, I'm going to make a fighter in this edition. Then I'm going to make a fighter in this edition. And then I want to make a fighter in this edition. And he talks a lot about just the formatting and the design and how terrible it was. Um, it was really good. So I agree. I agree totally with what you're saying.
0: Yeah. Uh, Zris says in chat, happened. like older D&D <laughs> really assumed that you already knew the game. And yeah. for fifth edition, they did not make that assumption, and I like yeah. that. So, and I and I do think D and D five e book is a
1: training manual. D and D three or before was an encyclopedia. It was more of like a reference that you went and tried to find what page you need to be on, and then you flipped to it. D and D five e can be read start to finish, and you under, It's training you from chapter one to chapter two, to chapter three, to chapter four, to chapter five, to be able to play this game. And I think it's more of like the difference between what that is, like a training manual or a reference manual. Mm -hmm. Those are two different things in reality.
0: It's funny. Grenar here is saying like we had to make cheat sheets for our Shadowrun yes. game and I'm like oh my gosh Shadowrun that I don't even want to yes. think about how complicated that yeah. can get It was back when
1: you had to have DM screens they weren't just to block your dice rolls they were to have rules because you didn't have to go back to the book to look them up mm. and they were so complicated that you wanted them right in front of you with pieces of paper and notes and to keep Oh the, this is how grapple around. works or this is how charging mounted works or you know this Mm. this other weird stuff so
0: um i i wanted to talk about uh the twitch leak a little bit because that's kind of a big thing we all know how much lucian is getting paid on twitch now so (laughs) we do know (laughs) I'm sorry, guys. It's millions of dollars. You guys didn't know it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the big thing is, is that in the last two... So if you don't know this, Twitch got hacked or somebody internally leaked something. We were kind of talking about it. But a 125 gigabyte torrent file went out onto the web. And it has the chat logs from the beginning of Twitch till now, which is kind of weird to think that they hold on to all that information
1: yeah
0: um and it also has the uh revenue from 20 September 2019 to September 2021. So you can see how much they paid out to creators. Uh, and i I don't know why this was considered a big shock to people. Um, I mm. think a lot of us don't think in the idea of millions of dollars. And I think a lot of people think that their favorite Twitch streamer, their, uh, their mains and their whatever, their ninjas, mm-hmm. they're just like, oh, they're basically like me. They just like to play games. You know, I I go to my $10 an hour job. They're, they're just streaming. They're having fun. They're not making $80,000 a month. It's like, but they are, you know, because yes. and that's not even Some including brand are. deals and things <laughs> like that. Uh, yeah. Gosh, I would never so, have thought
1: Critical Role was at the top of that. But book.
0: that was that was what surprised me. Is like yeah. that is the epitome of why Fifth Edition is so popular. I think is Critical Role uh, made the most money in that. Uh, was it the two year or just the month? I forget. They, but they the, were at I saw the very a two top. Two year number. I didn't see the other. Yeah, the other they were number, at the yeah. very top, and that doesn't include. That's just the payout from from that. Uh, that's Twitch. not YouTube. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was it was close to nine million dollars, if not over. Uh and they're a business, they're a company. They're sure. they're actually paying their employees, they're probably yeah. uh creating four oh one Ks and things like that. So I'm not saying they're being greedy by any means, but the the pushback for when uh fans see this and then they get upset that their their fan base is all it's almost like, well, you're making too much money off of us. And it's like, well, then don't yeah critical role stuff is free like i can go listen to all of it i don't have to pay a cent uh the they're getting money from the fans that want to engage and support and help kind of a thing so Mm -hmm. i was uh it was a little sad i was like there was a lot of backlash against critical role and i'm like don't be upset with them for being successful like it's okay (laughs) but yeah yeah i think it is a lot of money though like and that that spooks people but that was a lot it's of money it's <laughs> tapping
1: into a conversation that's happening right now in the world of people who are at one level and they see people that are another level and your work that you do is no more harder or different than the work i do 40 hours a week i put in just as much hard work maybe i dig ditches maybe you know maybe my work is labor intensive maybe my work is not and then you just see that disparity of what you get to do earns you this yeah what I get to do earns me this and you can't tell me that your work is more important than my work they're equal I'm not going to say my work's more important than yours Mm -hmm. but it is important what I do is important it does affect things I work for school districts right so that's that sounds like would be a very important thing in this world and I think there's this and you got the Jeff Bezos now that are making billions and billions and billions of dollars and I think before that, when you only had people that were millionaires, maybe the discussion didn't come up as much as about, is is there ever too much money? But then you hit billion or you hit trillion. And somehow, some way you start to say, is it too much? <laughs> yeah. you know, could some of us get a little bit of that for doing what we do? Same job. I'm not telling you to give me a different job or you know whatever. I'm just saying, can we get a little bit more of, of that stuff? So I think that's the conversation that's happening about people looking at disparity yeah no it's true. um yeah. you know the person that works in mcdonald's has a hard rough 10-hour day and they can barely pay rent yep It yeah. just you know so it's just no crazy. and I, I i agree it's
0: uh we don't need to get right. a and there's, talk show. there's an answer yeah, yeah we're, we're we're a dd talk show so i mean we knows. could talk about income inequality uh all day and uh, I will point out that I I do agree. Like I think there are the, there are people that work very hard in the world and do not make enough money. And then there are yeah. people uh, where I I do not think that Jeff Bezos is working seven billion times harder than right. the person who works at a fast food restaurant. Uh, so that is what I'll say about that. Yeah. Like there's no way that he's working that much yeah. harder than this person who works very hard. Uh, I do agree with your sentiment that if you. Don't be mad at the person that's successful. They
1: figured out the game. They're playing the game well. It. They had. It, they were in the right place at the right time. <clears throat> Twitch made Critical Role. Twitch when Critical Role started their streaming, Twitch put it on their front page every night that they streamed, like for at least a month. There was a lot of streamers that complained. Really, back I didn't in know the that. Day, that they had thrown them up front page and built a big part of that community. Um, And so there was a lot of inside support that they got to to launch that show, not only from Geek and Sundry, Mm -hmm. not only from celebrities that were a part of that, but from Twitch going out of its way and pushing it in front of the audience that was Twitch at that time, and then continuing they were the ones that were allowed to stream to YouTube and Twitch at the same time.
0: Something that they yeah, there's always been that doing. weird. You're not supposed to do that, but they're allowed to. So yeah, they have um, their own. But deals. they're also a top tier streamer, so that's why they're doing that. So but uh, they made a I don't know. They're they're yeah. still they're they're very good people they're donating yeah. to charity they're doing a lot of other awesome stuff uh but they're they all they are a corporation now and i will say that i've always enjoyed people but i don't like corporations because yeah. a corporation has a very different mindset about <laughs> what is good and bad and unfortunately uh sometimes you have people that are good people that are in a corporation but the corporation wins at making the decisions so yeah yeah uh, well
1: and yeah. they're built to create to get more money
0: yeah that's the problem, but. Yeah. <laughs> uh, r- well, we've got a couple of minutes left. I have, uh, I'm going to yeah. try and do some campaign diaries of my Dungeon Crawl Classics Hot Springs Island game. Uh, but in short, I had a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to prep some campaign diaries. I might live stream the prep for this Sunday's game. Uh, mm-hmm. Either tonight, it's got to be today because I'm too busy tomorrow and the game's tomorrow. Uh, and then I've been doing some DMs Guild reviews, so I've been reading a lot of stuff, because this Minx and Boo thing came out, and then I organized all of my DMs Guild PDFs, and I'm like, I got a lot of good stuff in here, I should talk about this. Uh, <laughs> but you haven't played D&D in a while, are you playing, did you get Dungeon of the Mad Mage in? I did, we played. Um,
1: we're back at it, so it was great <laughs> to be three weeks off, four weeks off almost. And then to come back in, but it was everybody, you know, jumped back in, had a good time. Um, we're probably ready to go down to the next level. So we're gonna get closer and closer to what level are you deeper on now? and deeper. I believe. You're like, we why did you ask me? Eight, <laughs> eight? I believe. Okay. I think we're about ready to go down nine. The reason it's unsure is because we we went back up and down a couple of times because we skipped there's ways to skip over. Yeah. So we were at six, skipped over seven, went to eight, then went back up to seven. And now we're going to go back down to eight, back down to nine or something like that. So It's, it's funny, it's it reminds
0: me of uh, like Super Mario Brothers 3 or or <laughs> something where it's like, you can take the warp pipes and get right to the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, but you're that player that's like, no, we're, gonna go we're going to go through <laughs> every level. I'm going to beat every boss in a castle. 100% it. And yeah, hundred yeah, percent it. So, well, we when
1: what's cool about it, what forces us to do, and I think is a good good addition if you ever run this for your players, it's because Ac Inc, which were the um, the franchise of, yeah, has ordered us to map Dungeon of the Mad Mage. They yeah. want a full working map. So I'm the cartographer for our group, and we're mapping every inch that we can find of Dungeon of the Mad Mage. So so it's been pretty cool also um what's really nice in there is they do put in plenty of areas for you as a dungeon master to add to it they'll they'll leave a part on the map that just says open and they'll say here if you want to you can say this goes to the underdark you can say this goes to some other kingdom you want to create oh you that's can say cool goes to wherever or you can just block it off You know, just tell your players it's been caved in and move on. You know, so they put in. I
0: would put the yellow tape that says, do not cross. Don't
1: cross. And just a a big,
0: a big sphere of annihilation on the other side. Yeah. And see how many of them walk into it.
1: So (laughs) we, every one of
0: them. Oh my God. It'd be so funny.
1: (laughs) So it's been pretty good. Um, We've got to fight some um, um, ghost naga. There's a certain term for it. I forget what it was like, spirit naga or something like that. Yeah. They're pretty tough. Yeah. Um, The bone ones. Bone Naga. Yeah, bone nagas. Yeah. I think that was some stuff we got tangled up into. So I'm interested to see. And we're starting to get into themed floors. Like this floor was themed for um, swamp areas and everything was almost water everywhere. Very few dry spots, fungus, big mushrooms and stuff. And then you'll get to one that's like crystals or something else. You'll get to one that's an old dwarven fortress mm. level. So it's kind of interesting to see these different themes of levels we're getting to. And I'm just more and more curious as we continue what the next level is going to look like, or what's the next theme going to be. So very, you've got to love dungeon diving. You've got to love, you know, moving
0: your miniature on the map and doing lots and lots and lots of combat. You know, we were, I was talking about this with some patrons where they were playing it um, and you got to have a good character too, because, uh, they went through, uh, Waterdeep deep dragon heist and mm-hmm. the the my my patron he was talking like he had this really cool character um but by the end of it he's like this is not a explore the dungeon character like i've got social skills that i'm not going to utilize in the dungeon i've yeah. got all these other things that they're like i don't i don't think i want to play this anymore and so they <laughs> made a new character that was yeah. very like i'm going down and i you know i'm an adventurer yeah uh, I'm going to dive down in a yard. Because I was thinking, I was like, I've got a lot of characters that I'd like to play, but like, if I'm, no, that that one's not good for this kind of scenario. So, but you're <laughs> yeah. having a lot of fun with your character, obviously. So, yeah. Yeah. So, definitely
1: make sure you know your group because it's a lot of, I mean, it's going to be two years of dungeon diving. So, That's awesome. know, not
0: everybody's into that, but I am. I love it. I want lot. you to write a book when you're done. Sure. Like, Two years with Dungeon of the Mad Mage by Lucian. (laughs) (laughs) The memoirs (laughs) of an Aarakocra in an underground tunnel. (laughs) Yes. Uh, I love it. Um, Anything else before we take off? That was
1: it. Doing some preps for um, the Depths of Duty and the Rise of Delta Green. Two campaigns that I keep wanting to play on off nights and may still, you know, Dive into some more, and then um, now because we're getting Spelljammer, I want to do a campaign that is about the Githyanki War against the Mind Flayers. Yeah, that would I be think fun. that would be a cool campaign to run. Very fun. It would That'd be, be very fun. fun. So keep an eye out for that.
0: Uh, thank you guys so much uh, for watching the show. This was a good talk. Uh, it's yep. Spelljammer Day. We were. I was very excited, uh, and we will be back uh, next week with more dungeon of the mad dungeon of the mad mage we'll be back next week with another saturday morning DD show uh (laughs) thank you guys again and we'll see you all on the next one take care